Hi, South Park Church. This is Pastor Kyle Thompson, and I am joined today by my son, Nathan. Nathan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Well, great, man. Glad to have you with us today. Nathan is a track and field athlete, and our focus today in today's message uh, are the Olympic Games track and field. And so, Nathan, what events do you do in track and field? I do the 100-meter dash, the 200-meter dash, the 400-meter dash, the 4 by 100 and the long jump. Gosh! That's a lot of running and a lot of jumping. And evidently, you did okay to get all these medals here. Wow, wow. Which one is your favorite event? I like the 100-meter dash. Why do you like the 100-meter dash? I like just doing a full-out sprint. So it's a full-out sprint, 100 meters. That's like about one-fourth of a lap around the track. Is that right? What's your least favorite event? Probably the 200. Why is it the 200? Because you have to sprint in a long distance. And a long distance. Wow. So it's kind of a combination sprint and long distance. What about the 400? That's like a whole lap around yeah. the track. What's that like? It's You start out with a sprint and a jog. And then when you get to the last 100, you just sprint as, for, as fast as you can. And then that's how you do it. Okay. So you kind of have to pace yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you blow out a sprint at the end. Wow, man. That sounds really hard. Why do you like to do track and field? I just like to run and I like to move my body quickly. You like to run and like to move your body quickly. That's awesome. Has, it, has anything weird ever happened during a track and field competition? My friend, he lost his shoe and he went back and got it. <laughs> so he lost his shoe in the middle of a race and he went back and got it? Mm -hmm. Wow. Where did he finish? Um, I think he finished last. But he finished, right? Yeah. What did the crowd do when he came by? Um, they just clapped. They clapped a lot, I think. Yeah, I remember being there. So they clapped for everybody, especially for his perseverance and overcoming that obstacle, right? That's neat. Mm -hmm. Who's your favorite runner? Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt. Yeah, I think I've heard of him, right? Jamaican. Set all kinds of gold medal records and Olympic records and world records. Why do you like Usain Bolt? I like, I just like watched him run so fast mm -hmm. down the hundred. Would you want to race him? Um, yeah. Yeah, I like that, right? You might not win, but you want to take him on, right? That'll be fun. I really like that, man. Well, what about you? You ever think you want to go to the Olympics? Yeah. That'd be awesome. What, what do you think it would take to make the Olympic team for the U.S.? Because there's like a 17-year-old young man on the team this year. Yeah, well, you'd have to train a lot, wake up kind of early, work out, get running. Yep, I think that's good. So we talked a little bit about why you like track and field uh, and running. Uh, what's the worst part about it? The worst part is in the beginning, I'm really nervous like about running. Like if I get last place, it's gonna be bad. Mm -hmm. So your nerves, just yeah. kind of pressure to to do your best and to try to finish well. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a normal thing that a lot of people probably feel like when they're running, especially in a race. Well, what advice would you give for anyone watching today who wanted to get into running or track and field? If you're behind, I was in third place and then I ran up to second. Just keep going and then do as best as you can and don't give up. Do as best as you can. Don't give up. That's right. Because when you first started out in track, I think, what, you got one medal? Yeah. For the whole season? Really sad? Mm 
-hmm. Then you won all these medals, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you persevered and you came back. But what I think is neat is that you love to run, whether you're mm -hmm. running for medals or not. You run all over our house and yard, and it's awesome, right? So you, I'm glad that you just like to run to run. That's right. Another question. You think you could outrun me? Yeah. What? You think you could beat your old man? Yeah. You want to do that sometime? Yeah. You think the people watching like to see that? Yeah. Well, we might have to film another video if we hear some good feedback about that. Y'all let us know if you want to see that race. That's awesome. So you're going to take on Usain Bolt. You're going to beat your dad. I think that's good. Just one final question. Do you know who Jacob Marley is? No. Don't know who Jacob Marley is. You ever heard of the story of Ebenezer Scrooge at Christmas, the Christmas Carol? Yeah. And that first ghost that comes to visit him, mm -hmm. he has a big lanky chain. Can you shake around? Yeah, that sounds like you. Would you be willing to come back at Christmas and maybe be Jacob Marley for us? Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Nathan. We appreciate your time, and good luck with your track and field, and we're glad that you're part of our congregation. Thanks. Just when you thought you'd never have to see another sermon from Pastor Kyle coming from his living room, here we are. That sweet little boy, my son Nathan, that you just saw me interview, had a diagnosis earlier this week of COVID-19. Thankfully, he's doing well and has mild symptoms. Uh, our whole family had to be tested because we were in proximity to someone who had COVID-19. And thankfully, Laura, Luke, and I tested negative. Uh, and Nathan was the only one of us who's not been vaccinated because he's not old enough. And so sure enough, he has it. And again, grateful that his symptoms are very mild. And so we just would appreciate your prayers for healing in Nathan's life, uh, as well as all people who are struggling with COVID. Uh, and that God would just help us continue to fight that disease and that battle but we thought it would be smart to be safe and give you guys some distance today. And so we're grateful for the technology that makes this possible. And again, thank you so much for your prayers uh, and glad to be able to connect to you today through the video. Uh, as you saw in the interview, our game for today is track and field, most especially running. And we're gonna be talking about our lives as if they're races. And so if, if your life is a race that you're running, what kind of race is that? Is that one that you're proud of? It's one that's hard to get through right now? Is it more of a marathon or are you in a sprint kind of moment in your life? What does the race of life look like for you? Today we're going to go into the Bible and we're going to see about an amazing Christian in the first century. His name was Paul. And Paul started all kinds of churches in the Mediterranean world. And he wrote letters to those churches that have been captured and become part of our New Testament. In fact, most of the New Testament is consisting of Paul's letters to churches and to individuals. Now, you've got to understand that Paul was one of probably the greatest evangelists in the history of Christianity as he pretty much helped start the church and the Holy Spirit worked through him in powerful ways. And Paul had lots of ups and downs in his ministry. He started all these churches, all these people came to faith in Christ and, and he had just a personal relationship with God that was amazing. And so Paul was on a lot of highs spiritually in his life. But he also had a lot of challenges. Some of the church members would rebel and, and give Paul a lot of grief. And we can see some of that heartbreak and even anger in the letters that he writes to his congregations. Other people had Paul arrested, uh, beaten uh, because of his faith in Jesus and his trying to spread that faith. So Paul was in prison. Uh, he feared for his life. He was tortured. Uh, he was shipwrecked. He was snake bitten. He had a physical malady that he called his thorn in the flesh. We think it might be something to do with his vision. 
And so Paul just went through a lot of hardship in addition to all the good things by trying to share the gospel. And eventually, Paul, we believe, was executed for his faith. And we're going to pick up the story of his life, of his race uh, in the world, near the end. And he's writing to uh, a young man who's also a pastor who's starting you know, to reach other people for Jesus and do all kinds of things for Paul uh, and the Holy Spirit and spreading the gospel throughout the world. His name's Timothy. So Paul's writing to Timothy and trying to encourage him as he's trying to be a young pastor in the early church. And this, again, is near the end of Paul's life. And so we're going to pick up the story in Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept faith. So Paul's talking to Timothy near the end of his life. He, he foresees that he's getting ready to be, again, in prison and then killed, and he will be a martyr for the faith. And he says that he's at the end. And he can honestly say that he, right, he ran the race. He finished that race well. He kept the faith. And so we're at the end of Paul's life celebrating the many great things that he did for Jesus. And again, for me, you know, the question is, how, what motivated Paul to be able to do this, to have a long ministry, to have a long life following God uh, through so many ups and downs? What was it that kept Paul anchored to stay with God? throughout all of these ups and downs. Because as we read Paul's letters, we see that he does get sometimes frustrated, sometimes angry, uh, but most of the time he's happy and he's at peace and he has joy for his work in the Lord and reaching other people and being in relationship and caring for other people. His love for God translates into love for people and to spread the gospel. And so as we think about our own race right with God what kind of a race are we running spiritually what does our spiritual life look like how are we in love with God and, and how are we loving other people because of that love of God in our own lives what kind of a race are you running with God what's your spiritual life look like what motivates us well just like running a race in person right running a physical race running the race with God spiritually, right, sometimes it's hard. And we can come up with some, you know, excuses of why we don't think that we need to be doing that, why we don't run, why we don't walk with God. So I thought it'd be fun just to look up some excuses for people who just don't want to run. And so maybe you, you've said some of these things in your own life. Maybe you're a runner, maybe you're not a runner. But if you think about running any sort of distance, uh, there's a lot of resistance to that. So I want to read some of the, maybe the top 10, I would say. I picked out. This is no official list, but top 10 things that I read on the internet. You know, you got to take it or leave it or what it is. Excuses why people either don't want to run or they're ready to stop running and to drop out. So let's start with number 10. One is the weather. Right? It's too hot. It's too cold. Too wet to run. I'm, I'm done with running. Right? Another one, I always chafe my thighs. Ouch. That's a good excuse. I'm too embarrassed when I run. Maybe we run awkwardly. Not sure. 
I'm going to have to use the bathroom. Now that's a good one, right? If you're running long distance, gotta use the bathroom. If you're in a race, you can't stop or you're gonna lose your position. So that's a pretty good excuse. Uh, another one, I'm afraid of running. Not quite sure what you're afraid of. Maybe some killer clowns are chasing you. Not sure. I don't know. Anyway, we can be afraid of running. I don't have time. Heard that makes sense. Running hurts. Right. Number three, I tried running and I failed. Right. I went out, it hurt, didn't work. I tried it and I failed. Number two, I'm just not the running type. I'm too old, too big, too out of shape. I'm not athletic. Number one reason not to run, according to Kyle from the internet, I don't feel motivated to run. So I think some of these excuses would also kind of transfer to our relationship to God, why we might not be in a relationship with God, why we might not want to pursue a spiritual life. Um, I don't think, you know, chafing our thighs really applies here, but I could sure see don't have time, right? We might get hurt in the process. Uh, you know, number three, I tried running and failing. You know, I tried to be in church. I tried to be a Christian. I tried to follow God. It just didn't work out for me. Or right, number two, I'm not the running type, right? I'm just not the faithful type. I'm just not the Christian type. I'm sure some of us might have thought that or said that in our lives. Um, but I would just push back a little bit to say it's probably not true. We might have had some tough experiences. We might not think that we're the religious or the spiritual type. But let's explore that. Remember Paul? We started out with him, and he's this super Christian kind of a guy doing all these things you know, on the surface. But... In everyday life, he's a real person like you and me. Again, ups and downs, hard times. And if we think about where Paul started, right, to get into a race, you have to start, right? If we're going to follow God, we have to start somewhere. Many of us probably think, again, I'm just not the religious type. I'm not the spiritual type. I'm not the godly type. I just, I'm not going to waste my time by starting, by following God. Interesting thing about Paul, he wasn't always super in love with Jesus. In fact, when he used to refer to himself as Saul before he changed his name kind of to Paul, he hated Christians. He was a Jewish person and followed Judaism, which is where Jesus and the disciples, they were Jewish as well, and they took it up a notch to Christianity. They kind of transported past it a little bit, gets pushed through, had a different revelation maybe is a better way of saying it. It came out of Judaism, right? They came out of Judaism and it became Christianity. Paul thought Judaism was fine by itself. He didn't need Jesus being tacked on to that from his perspective. And so he thought that Christianity was blasphemy. And so what he decided to do was put it into it. So he would go after all the early Christians. He would round them up, have them arrested, even have them killed. Right? So this Saul was the number one enemy of the early church. Well, how could Saul, number one enemy of the early church, become Paul, like the number one cheerleader of the church that spread the, the church around the world and wrote most of the New Testament? How did that happen? Saul had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus appeared to him and said, why are you persecuting me? And, and he blinded Saul. And, and then he had Saul's vision restored. And so, long story short, right, Saul came to know Jesus through a personal relationship. And he completely changed, right? Did a 180. Right? He went from Saul to Paul, he went from enemy to church, the number one cheerleader of the church, you know, starting the church, church planner, church pastor, right? because he had this relationship. So if you saw Saul, you might say, well, you know, he's just not the Jesus type, or, you know, he's going to fail at that Jesus thing. But guess what? Right? 
God used, right, the biggest enemy of the entire Christian movement to become one of its biggest advocates. So long story short, if you think there's any excuse that can hold you back from following God because you're just not good enough, you're not religious enough, you're not spiritual enough, it's not true. God sees something special in you and wants to be in a personal relationship with you. And so I just would challenge you maybe to think of yourself kind of like Saul. Might not seem the part, might not seem the type, but guess what? You can be. You can be if you give Jesus a chance in your life. So we can all start to follow Jesus, no matter who we are, no matter what past we have, no matter what skeletons or demons are in our closets, God is ready to give us a fresh start and to run the race of life with us. And so, right, somewhere, somehow, hopefully, you've either started the relationship with Jesus or you're considering it because you're listening to a Christian pastor talk about Jesus. So, glad you're here. would encourage you to keep taking that next step. Right, so we start out in the faith. Then we get going along, like Paul, and we have super high mountaintop experiences, right? Some awesome worship service, we go to a retreat, we go on a mission trip somewhere, we, we just, we get on fire for God. But then at some point along the way, that fire seems to kind of burn out or just, you know, kind of shrink down. And, and sometimes we get frustrated. Sometimes we just, we kind of forget about God for a while. Sometimes we walk away from God or we walk away from the church, right? We get mad, we get upset. Right? We're, just, we're done with faith. We're done with church. We're done with religion. Whichever parts of it that, that, that you can think about. Right? Sometimes it's just hard to stay motivated. It's hard to stay with God. Hard to stay in faith. So what do we do now? And I think it goes back to that number one excuse. I just don't feel motivated to do it. When we're straying from God, we're, we, we've been you know, in touch with God, been in touch with the church, and, and, and we're starting to stray, sometimes I think we forget, why did we start in the first place? Right? What was our first love? What was that first connection with God? And how can we maybe you know, let that fire us up again? So what motivated you in the first place? What was it that motivated you to fall in love with God, to follow God, to start on the path? Maybe it's time to revisit that. So for fun, again, went to the internet and looked up reasons that people are motivated to run. Right? Why do people run? Right? Short distance, long distance, middle distance. At some point, it does hurt. Right? It's hard. It's hard on the body. Even though it does lots of good things for us, what motivates people to run? And I wonder if any of these motivations would motivate us in our faith as we look at, right, comparing the race in life, like running physically, to running a race with God spiritually. So let's look at some of the reasons people run. I run every day. It's like medicine, right? Just, it makes me feel good. It rejuvenates me. Uh, another one, you didn't come this far only to come this far, right? You didn't run here just to stop. There's more to go, right? A philosophical reason. You didn't come this far just to come this far. There's more to see. There's more to do. There's better things to come. Another one, I love this one. I run because I really like food. I can eat as much as I want if I'm running a lot. That, that's funny. I've thought that in my own life. Uh, another one, I've got 99 problems. I run to ignore them for an hour. Right? Running's a way to let our problems kind of melt away for a little while. Let our, our minds focus on something else, right? And so running can be an escape for some of us. Run! The zombies will eat the young trained ones first. There's no real zombies. Just thought that was funny. Uh, I don't run to add days to my life. 
I run to add life to my days, right? Another philosophical thing. I don't run to add days to my life. I run to add life to my days. Running is life-giving for some people. Here's one. I thought they said rum. Yeah, that's an actual reason someone said they went to runnings because they thought someone said rum. Give me a break. Uh, And here's another one. Don't dream of winning. Train for it, right? Running helps us become part of something bigger in our lives, to push us to do bigger things, right? So those are things that motivate us to run, right? What motivates us to be in a relationship with Christ? And again, I'd like to go back to Paul because I think he teaches us a lot, right? Why did he go through the ups and downs of ministry? Why did he go to his own death? Why did he allow himself to be tortured and snake-bitten and shipwrecked and all that kind of stuff because of the faith? There had to have been something powerful in this everyday man's life to keep him focused on a relationship to God, to keep him in the race, right? He started the race, but he stayed in the race. And I'm sure it would have been easy for Paul to quit anywhere along the way, right? Rebellion, beatings, arrest, all that stuff. It'd be easy, easy for Paul to walk away. Why didn't he do it? This time we've got to go to another one of his letters. This time we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians, This is his second letter to a church that was in Corinth, which is in modern-day Greece. And this, I think, gives us a window into Paul and some of his motivation. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So Paul believes... His motivation is that Jesus died for all of us. Jesus died on a cross and came back to life for all of us. And so we're far from God. We are in broken relationships with each other because we use our free will that God gives us. We are created in God's image. There's a lot of goodness in us. We also have the choice to, to choose things. Sometimes we choose wrongly. And we hurt God and we hurt other people. We hurt ourselves. We break relationships. And because of that, we, we do harm, right? Sin means going against God, breaking that relationship with God. The result of that is we feel guilty. We have brokenness between us and God and other people. There is shame in our lives. We're going to die one day and be apart from God and, and other people, right, who are with God in a place called hell. And you don't have to die to go to hell. You can experience that on the earth, right? Brokenness, broken relationships with God, broken relationships with other people. Right? Jesus said, that's not why I created people. I want people to be in in right relationships with me and with each other. I want people to live life to the full now, and I want them to live forever in the kingdom of of God. And so Jesus came down, became a person while also staying God, and he died on a cross. And when he did that, he took with him all of our sin, our brokenness, our guilt, our shame, our death, our hell, and he defeated it. And when he came back to life, right now he gives us the access to God to be forgiven. Now, we can have joy and peace rather than guilt and shame. We can live life to the full now, live forever in the glorious kingdom of, of heaven. And all we have to do is believe in Jesus and ask him, right? Say, Jesus, I'm sorry for what I've done. I want to leave that life behind me. Come in, forgive me, and live inside of me, and give me that life to the full, and, and let me live forever in the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus does. He gives us things that we don't deserve. It's called grace, and Jesus does it, right? We can receive that. And Paul said, that's why I love Jesus. 
That's why I go through the ups and downs. That's why when I get arrested, that's why when I am beaten, that's why when I'm threatened with my own life on this earth ending, I can do that because God loved me so much. If God loves me and other people so much, I want to help other people know that. I want them to have the same relationship I have with God. I want them to, to, to have the relationship to look forward to in heaven and the, and the glorious kingdom that is there. And so that's why Paul says that he does this, right? And he also says there that those who live, right, in Jesus should no longer live for themselves, but for Jesus who died for them, right? So Paul's not in it just for himself anymore. He's in it for Jesus. And so that's why he goes through shipwrecks and snake bites and in prison and all that kind of stuff because it's not just about Paul. It's for Jesus because of what Jesus did for us, right? So Paul started with Jesus because he had a personal relationship with Jesus. He, 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 he understood, right, or came to understand that God's love for us is so vast that he would die for us. And that's why Paul stayed with Jesus because he sees the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. He loves us that much to die for us, to leave heaven, to come to the earth, to die for us so that we can live life to the full and life forever, right? That is enough for Paul to stay with Jesus and also to end with Jesus. So if you are a person of faith and you're struggling and you've walked away from God, or you're thinking about quitting from God or, or from the church or whatever it is, I just would encourage you to, to admit, hey, it's hard to follow Jesus. It's hard to be in church. It's hard to be a Christian in the world. It's okay to have those frustration those moments and feelings, and I have those as, as much as anybody. But don't let it defeat you. Ask God to give you strength. Ask God to remind you what it was that drew you to God in the first place, to renew your faith, to renew your strength, and to be able to walk with Christ again. Right? So Paul started with Jesus, even though he was an enemy of Jesus. He stayed with Jesus. He ended with Jesus through the ups and downs because he encountered joy and life to the full, but even in the hard times, he stayed with Jesus because he was so much in love with Christ. Because Christ first loved him and made those sacrifice, that sacrifice for him. And, and that's why. Right? So what? What's the point? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway today? I would say it, it's pretty simple. and It's kind of a threefold thing. Right? Start with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. End with Jesus. Start with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. And end with Jesus, right? End this life and, and go to the next life with Christ, right? Start with Jesus, stay with Jesus, end with Jesus. Will you say that with me? Start with Jesus, stay with Jesus, and end with Jesus. You know, I'd like to invite you to do two steps, two action steps, right? We want to take some action. We want to take a step, right? We're talking about running the race. We're talking about running uh, for God, running with God, right? So the first action step would be to take a step in faith. Take a step in faith. If, if you're new to the faith, then explore it. Right? Keep coming to worship. Read your Bible. Right? Try praying. Try talking to God. Say, God, I want to be in a relationship with you. God, give me that opportunity. Come into my life. Right? Have this relationship. Right? Start somewhere. Right? Just give it a chance. The fact that you're watching right now or listening, you've, you've started. Right? So what's the next step? Is it to come back? Is it maybe start reading your Bible? Maybe start praying. Maybe look into one of our small groups. Right? We'd love to help you. Reach out to us. We'd love to help you take that next step. For those of us who are walking with God, right? Stay with God. Right? If we're having a hard time, again, 
think about what is it that, that we came into this for in the first place, right? If we're kind of in a spiritual drought, then talk to somebody about that, right? Maybe read a different thing in the Bible. Maybe try a different class, right? You know, just don't give up. Maybe try to remember what it is that first brought you to God and pray about it. Say, God, I'm in, I'm hitting the wall, right? Like runners hit walls. They run, hit walls, right, where they physically, emotionally can't run anymore, right? We hit walls like that as Christians too. But remember, Jesus smashes through walls. He smashed through the cross. He smashed through the grave. If you're in a tough spot right now in your relationship with God or the church or whatever, ask Jesus to help you smash through that wall. Talk to me about it, someone in your small group about it. We'll, we'll get you into a group, right? Let us help you break out of the funk. We're glad to be able to do that, right? But what step could you take? Could you step back into something that you've stepped away from or maybe step into something new that might give you new opportunities in the faith? And then to end in the faith, right? We want to see this through the end of our physical lives as we then transform for are being transferred by God into heaven at, at the end, right? We've been seeing a lot of that in our congregation recently. Uh, we've had uh, memorial service, celebration of life services for Cookie, also for Jenny. We'll be having one coming up for Ruby and also one coming up for Mark soon. And so, right, we know real people who've walked the line of faith, who've ran that race, and they, they have finished their race on the earth and they've gone to be with God in heaven. And when we come together, there's grief. Yes, we miss them and our hearts ache, but we also have joy that their race isn't over, that they're now in the finish line with God in the glorious kingdom of heaven. And, and we'll see them again, right? If we have that relationship with Christ that I've been talking about, the end on earth is not the end. And so we end with Christ, right? Start with Jesus, stay with Jesus, end with Jesus. Right? The other thing I'd like to invite you to do, uh, I just want to make sure that I get the right verse here because... Uh, it's been kind of crazy around here, is to read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. This might be a good thing to print out, put up on your mirror, put up on your fridge, on your bulletin board, whatever it is, as we think about persevering through life as Christians. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews is like this really long sermon. You're only going to have to read three verses of it. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Check that out this week. Pray about that. Talk to God about it. I mentioned to you all last week that uh, as part of our family's vacation, we got to go and see my father-in-law retire. My father-in-law and mother-in-law have served in the ministry for 45 years ordained ministry in the Wesleyan Church, which also comes from John Wesley, who also started the Methodist Church that, that we are a part of. 45 years in ministry, 26 of them in one church. Right? In the last church that he served, that's, that's the church where I met Laura. My favorite of his 26 years is year eight. That's where I met Laura in year eight. So go year eight. Uh, well, anyway, we got to go to his church, hear him for the last time preaching in the church, have a big meal afterwards, celebrate with family and church. And it was awesome. It was amazing. Now think about 45 years of ministry, how much joy and awesomeness that happened in that, the baptisms, the weddings, and uh, salvations and people coming to Christ and just all the goodness that happened in that and also the challenges. Anytime that you do anything for 45 years, no matter what your profession is, you're going to have some hard times and some difficult circumstances and dealing with difficult people. And right, How did he make that? Right, Just thinking about that and what I observed from him. And, and my father-in-law Arnold is a lot like Paul. He just loves God. 
when we go on vacation, he's sitting in the corner. He's got his Bible starting out his day in devotions, and he's reading that Bible when others are eating breakfast or on a video game or something. He, he loves the Lord, and he loves spending time with God personally. And that love of Jesus is translated into love of other people. We were at a, a park during our vacation, and we're having a, uh, a picnic, and we had this big watermelon that, that he'd actually grown, and these other kids were around, and, and he just offered watermelon to all those kids, and they loved it, and then he went and bought our, his grandkids, our kids, right, ice cream. He bought the other kids in the park ice cream, and, and he was talking to them. He's asking them, well, what church do you go to? And he's talking about Jesus, and he just, he can't help himself. He loves God so much that it rolls over into loving people. And he's like Paul. He just has a heart because he has a personal relationship with Jesus because he knows the price that Jesus paid for us on the cross and in the resurrection. And he, he believes it, and it motivates him. And even though he's retired after 45 years, he's not done with ministry. He's still ministering to people every day. And he's talking about Jesus, and he's showing the love of Jesus. And it just shows me that in this earth, on this planet, that it's possible for us to finish the race well, right? To finish the race in faith strong, right? I have finished the race, Paul said. I have finished the race. We can finish the race well also. So wherever you are in your spiritual journey, I just wish you the best. Enjoy it. It's a great run. It's going to be hard sometimes, but it is totally worth it. Start with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. End with Jesus. Read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and take a step in faith. In the name of Christ, amen.